0: Welcome to Dragon's Rest, a podcast about the fantasy tavern where all great adventures get their start. It's here you'll meet a wannabe hero, a misanthropic bartender, a washed-up mage, a dim-witted bard, and a braggadocious dwarf. Created by Darcy Thompson and starring a cast of talented storytellers, each week promises a fresh keg of laughter and misadventure. So come on down to Dragon's Rest. Visit DragonsRestShow.com for more.
1: We are back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. We are here to give you episode two in season three of The Mandalorian here today. Last week we went through a recap of episode one in season three, went through all those great things that happened, some things we enjoyed, some things we had a couple of issues with, and now we are leading it here today to go through the summary of episode two. Now, I took us through episode one last week, which means Chase is going to guide us through episode two here today. Before we get
2: into it, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words, and then we'll dive in. Yeah, man. Just great to always be in the Star Wars realm. We got some action here today, so that sci-fi vibe going on, let's get it, man.
1: Sounds like a plan. All right, put the glasses in the air, let's get a quick cheers to it, and then I'll let you take it away.
2: Cheers. Malice in the chalice, man. Let's get it. Okay, so we start out, we get to see an old uh, character that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, what's her name? Peli Motto? Is that how you say it? Yeah, so she's on screen and she's helping her little other aliens and Jawas are with her, helping her with her ship. And then Din Djarin shows up and goes to see her and it has Grogu with him and he needs that droid part. Uh, for what's his name that we're trying to fix? What's his name again? IG11. Need that memory circuit board. <laughs> That's right. IG11, baby. Let's go. So, uh, yeah, look, just like Jane Nelly said, looking for that memory circuit board. And Pelly says it's so old that they don't have that part. And she offers him R5D4 for half price. And I think it was like a free oil change Is that what it was? It was something like that is what she said? Yeah, an oil bath Called it an oil bath That's what she (laughs) called it Yeah, she was being a little sheisty,
1: wasn't she? She already had, like, screwed over the guy ahead of her, like, pretending like she didn't have that part, and he's like, all right, is he gone? And they're like, all right, bring that part out, and you better make it look new, different, and stuff. So she's a a little (laughs) shyster, man. She's like a used car salesman. She was trying to get Mando on this droid. It's like, oh, no, I can do everything you need it to do. So, yeah, Peli Motto be be the sheisty
2: used car saleswoman, isn't she? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it kind of reminded me of in the Obi-Wan series. remember Obi-Wan. Uh, when he kind of fell out of his way for a while, he was, like, bargaining with the Jawa and giving him, like, money. So it was good stuff, man. But at this point, then, so, Din Djarin takes R5-D4 with him and Grogu and agrees. And R5-D4 is pretty cool looking. Kind of looks like R2-D2 a little bit. Um, And then Din Djarin shows Grogu on their course uh, as they're in the ship where he grew up on Concordia as they're trying to get to where the original planet of the Mandalorians uh, were is where they're heading and Dinjarin tells them as they land because of previous bombs that they will not have a communication signal with the rest of the galaxy and uh, they land on the planet and then head to the area where eventually the mines are going to be so they're not yet there they're trying to go there because just a reminder he's trying to bathe in these waters so he can be forgiven for taking his helmet off in season 2 maybe you shouldn't have taken your helmet off to begin with you wouldn't have had to deal with it especially if you knew if our little guy was coming back to visit <laughs> but anyways just my thoughts so Dinjarin goes to find R5 because R5 was going to go get samples but begins not to respond and he leaves Grogu behind to watch after the ship Dinjarin then arrives at the lower level of the planet and is attacked by what I called, like, five cave aliens. They looked almost like trolls or something. What do you think these looked like?
1: Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. These troll-looking things. Almost reminds me of the old stories with the troll under the bridge and you have to answer the riddles three, but them thuggers don't ask no questions. They're trying to kill your ass. So that's that's what I thought about them things. Them things were ugly-looking, but yeah, man, now let you continue on.
2: There's a troll in the dungeon. (laughs) Excellent, man. Anyway, so he's attacked by these five cave troll alien things, and he fights them off with the Darksaber. Hasn't seen that in action with him in a a long time. Uh, Stabs one with the knife. The second, he throws off a cliff, and then three and four, he just slashes down. Then the fifth one, he stabs through the belly and, like, pushes off the cliff. Grand Theft Auto style, man. Falls to his death. Then we have uh, Din Djarin realizes the planet is breathable and the planet of the Mandalore is not cursed like it was said to be. And then they encounter this big spider cyborg thing that was driven by, I called it like another spider robot. It reminded me of Transformers or something. You know what
1: it reminded me of? You ever you, did you ever watched Shark Boy and Lava Girl with that big eye thing? Like it looked like that because yeah. I had that that eye in it uh, digitally. I don't know if it was any sort of organic uh, material, but you know, when when you kind of get into it and describe it a little bit, I just it was just weird, you know. Especially when it gets to the part where it has a, a battle with another character, you can kind of see it as you know. I won't, I won't ruin nothing, but. Yeah, like it was just so strange. I'll let you go ahead and and continue on. It's just, uh, I don't really know how to describe it in a a way that would probably resonate or make sense. So, you guys need to to really look at this. You got to watch episode two of The Mandalorian season
2: three. (laughs) 100% agree, though. Uh, So, at this point, so then uh, uh, Grogu, at this point, so Dinjarin is taken captive. By this like, spider cyborg thing that we encounter. And then Grogu begins to follow this spider cyborg. And Grogu uses the force and f- attempts to free Dinjarin. And Din Djarin, Djarin yells at him. Well, not yells. He actually whispers it. But he says, because he can barely speak. Because he's like kind of passing out at this point. Um, because of this fluid, they basically like, stab in him. But he says, tells him to go get Bo-Katan. And then this spider robot that is driving the spider cyborg that gets out of the spider cyborg uses his like staff, electrified staff and like electrifies Grogu, causing him to flip upside down and land in his hover seat that brings him around the planet. So Grogu then flies out in his hover seat passing the small winged dragon lizard looking thing and then gets stopped by another cave troll alien. But Grogu uh, throws it off of him in front of him, pushes it out of the way with the force and then gets to the spaceship while that small winged dragon that he passed tries to climb on the ship but he takes off on the ship, causing it to get out of the way and falls out of the way. So Grogu arrives to see Bo-Katan and uh, she realizes Din Djarin isn't with him. At first she was like trying to say, "You know, I told you not to come back here, but realizes Din Djarin isn't there. So Bo-Katan goes back with Grogu to save Din Djarin. R5 at this time turns on the camera as uh, Grogu and Bo-Katan are getting off the ship and he stays on board the ship. bo tells Grogu at this time as they're tracking back to Din Djarin, you know, she says, you know, I'm going to have to rely on you to show me the way. And ironically, <laughs> this is the way. And so then they go to find Din Djarin, and she says, this was once a beautiful civilization. My family ruled it all, and now it's a tomb. And she tells Grogu that she knew quite a few Jedi uh, before, and there was a time... Where they got along well and actually fought side by side with the Mandalore. And then Bo-Katan, our cave troll aliens, are back to fuck up the plan. <laughs> and they jump in the way, but Bo-Katan kicks some ass here. So she shoots them. There was about five of them. She cuts them down with like some knives she has and throws at them and uses her grappling hook almost like old Django Fett style. Like it was sick. She used her grappling hook to throw him out of the way and then conjures this like laser shield. Kind of reminded me of um, you know like uh, Geralt's little like push magic thing he had but it was like a laser shield so that was cool seeing the dark saber and the shield at the same time and she fights him off and she calls them Alamites that used to live there and tells Grogu that they survived after the planet was basically destroyed and she wonders what else is there if these were alive and still living there so then we get back to the cyber spider cyborg spider that was originally controlling that big spider cyborg and this is when yeah he stabs dinjarin with this injection draining his fluid was it like poison i don't know exactly what that was did you pick up on that I'm not sure. I would guess it was a paralytic to kind of make it so he couldn't move.
1: You know, almost uh, similar to, do you remember when in Lord of the Rings, uh, she lobbed the spider, stabbed Frodo, and like he kind of like, went paralyzed a little bit? Right. Something similar to that. Not to the same extent where he couldn't speak or looked like he was dead, but
2: uh, obviously is some level of paralytic in my opinion. So what you're telling me is Bo-Katan is Sam. This is when she comes in and says, Back you devil! <laughs> Just kidding. She doesn't actually say that, but it's kind of like that most badass. So she comes in at this point, intercepts this thing and begins firing with her laser gun. The cyborg spider alien tries to electrify her with her, his staff, does that. And then Bo-Katan sees that Dinjaran's dark saber is on the ground and grapples it, and oh, it's Bo-Katan time. So she uses her laser shield to block the spider cyborg, but then stabs him through the chest. Lights out, baby, no more spider cyborg. And just like Jay Nelly said, he had that big eye, that eye closed, and he collapses to the ground. Mechanics, lights out, baby, it's over. Bocatan attempts to free D'Jarin, but right as you think is it's over, here we go. D'Jarin says, "Behind you!" And that big spider cyborg that was originally being commanded by that spider robot attacks. And then so Bocatan, this was really cool. Kind of reminded me of like a video game. And like really strangely too,
1: after she defeated, well, quote unquote defeated it, the the initial battle. It, like, dropped off the body. It was, like, a small head. almost looked like a a cockroach. And it, it moved away from the original body that was broken down from her stabbing it through the chest. And it, like, crawled over to the bigger, like, cyborg thing that was about to attack him. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: It was weird. It reminded me of, like, Transformers or something. I don't know. But uh so Bokatan kicks some ass here. She slashes its belly, that big spider robot cyborg, and then cuts off the four mechanical legs it has and then finishes it off by oh, gives it the guillotine, man. Takes the dark saber and cuts its head clean off. Game over. Bokatan wins. Fatality. It was badass and Bokatan rescues Din Djarin. But as she's rescuing him, he passes out and he wakes up as Bo-Katan is making Grogu and Dinjarin this pog soup and she calls it irony. <laughs> but so Dinjaran then tells Bokatan that he must continue and he must be redeemed because she was thinking he wanted he just got captured on the planet. But Bo-Katan reiterates that these are just stories that these waters are not magical. But she decides she will go with him. And bo and Din Djarin are talking about the Mandalore that populated the planet. And that how the Empire set out to wipe away their entire memory. And we're talking about the past. And eventually they arrive at the entrance of the Mandalorian Mines. And they're there. So bo tells Din Djarin that she has been there before. And she was royalty. And she says she tells Dinjarin that her father died defending the Mandalore, and Bocatan tells Dinjarin that the mines date back all the way to the first Mandalore, and it's said that a mythical beast is there. And uh, Dinjarin then they arrive at these waters. It didn't look anything special really <laughs> at first here, just some water. And he said bathe, he just kinda jumped in like it's a swimming pool. What'd you think? Was that very like uh declimactic in a way, if that's even a word. What'd you think about that? The
1: word you're looking for is anticlimactic, but uh, anticlimactic,
2: yeah. Um Yeah,
1: I don't really know what I expected. I don't know if I thought he was going to take, like, a nice leisurely swim and, I don't know, some breast <laughs> strokes in there. I don't know, but he kind of just took off part of his armor and stepped in and all of a sudden he was like, <laughs> i like, whoa, what the hell? It kind of it was a little confusing. Uh, but, you know, just, yeah, I expected these, something to be done with him. It, like, when they say bathing in the waters, I didn't know it was, <laughs> like, just jumping in and putting your head under and we're calling that a day. I thought you had to, you know, maybe – like, sit in it and lay back like you're on a
2: pool floaty or something, you know. But, uh, no, he just kind of stepped in there, huh? I thought we were gonna at least get some like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire where he took the bath with the egg. Maybe, you know, you have some cave trolls start singing, maybe doing a little dance or something. None of that, not even like the Zelda vibe. It was just like, dove right in, like, it's the it's. It's the beginning of the summer. <laughs> That's what was going on. But so he jumps in feet first and just sinks straight down. So you're like, what the hell is going on? He sinks all the way straight down. And uh, as he's, he's trying to do the redemption thing, goes straight to the bottom and uh, Bo-Katan dives in after him. Gets all the way to the bottom uses her jetpack to go as fast as she can after him all the way to the bottom of the the waters there and sees he's just down there lying on his back and as she's going to get him you see this massive horned beast that opens its eye and uh with her on the jetpack she grabs Dinjarin and gets all the way up to the surface pulls him out episode ends uh what are your takeaways on this episode J Nelly? Yeah, it was, it was cool. So, I... Very
1: similarly to last week, I have things I like about this episode, things I don't love about this episode. Things I did like were the fact that Bo-Katan is kind of a badass. Obviously, we already knew that from last season, but not for nothing, you know, we, we might have to have this discussion later on in this season of, of The Mandalorian of, you know, who's a better fighter between the two of them? Because, I'll tell you what, man. They they had very similar obstacles, and only one kind of helped out. Like without without Volkan, Sand Hinsaren's toast a couple times in this episode. So I do I do like the fact that her presence is nece- like basically essentially required for for the survival of this guy. That's cool. Uh, again, they keep coming up with these nice looking wild creatures that. You know who? Who knows where these in the mind of these creators? How are they come up with this shit? You would have thought by now, you know, we're in the year two thousand twenty-three. You think over two thousand plus years, we would have thought of every creature that could have been thought of. But man, they're still they're still cooking out some new ones, man. So I uh, thought that was pretty cool. One of the things that really did annoy me is that apparently. Grogu knows how to fly the ship after being told about it for ten seconds before Mando took a nap last week. And in last week's episode, <laughs> apparently he can just know exactly where to go to Cala—was it Calavella, the uh, planet there? So that kind of frustrated me. That, we, you know, that he's just going to go. But what I did like to let me like backtrack is the attempt Grogu used to get Dinjarin free. When he tried to use the Force and wasn't successful, I'm loving the slow progress of him you know, gaining the control over the Force and the level of power it takes to do certain things. I love how they're slow burning that along. That's what I like. Now, to get back to the whole thing, once he's failed at releasing him with the Force, and Grogu goes back to the ship, apparently, I don't know if we just had... Uh, coordinates auto-locked with the droid there in the back, and they already knew where they were going or what, but Grogu just captains that ship back to Calavella and Bo-Katan comes out like, hey, I thought you were gone. I said goodbye, sir. I said goodbye, and then <laughs> she comes out there, and the, the, the damn fucking top comes off, and it's just this baby driving the damn ship, and she's like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, Shout out her for even going back and deciding she was going to help out so that that part was cool but man that really bothered me that the we've never seen Goku even attempt to c- command a ship unless you count his little like bubble that he's always in that little I don't want to call it a spaceship but that little I don't know container that he floats around in I don't think that counts but apparently he's just a, a class act pilot these days that's, <laughs> that's fine no problem there and then you know other part about this too is that uh, but I do I do like the fact of the whole the, the action was cool again Din Djarin's not always in a in the spot where he's whooping ass sometimes he needs a little bit of help too so it's great to, to give him that assistance and the battle scenes were all right they were fine and that I did like that spider looking thing I don't know how that that survived on the planet I don't know what it does to power itself <laughs> I've got no idea but we'll just kind of accept it I guess Um... Yeah. I don't I don't know, but that was cool when she used the dark saber and whoops some ass with that and even Din Djarin couldn't do it, right? So but then they get him free. They get down to those waters. And this is the weird thing cuz this is going to go more into next week's episode when, you know, cuz like you said the episode kind of cuts off as she drags him out of the water. But right. like how the heck did he just sink to the bottom? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You know, like, like, like he, she found him and he was basically just laying there. So, I don't know. Like, it was a little bit weird because of the explanation that he gives next episode is a little whack, in my opinion. So, I, I, I don't know. But overall, I liked the episode. It was cool. And especially with, with uh, you know, we'll talk about more into this, I think, here in just a little bit that creature that they saw inside the living waters. And I think that's going to be something very huge going forward. And, you know, I think we're going to start finally seeing some full circles of the original creed for the Mandalorian, uh, come into, come into play here. So, but some things I liked, some things were a little silly to me. I
2: don't know, man. What do you think? Same thing, man. I mean, I think, the one thing that kind of annoyed me i feel like it should have been a little bit more difficult to get down to those waters like i feel like like these are supposed to be your minds of moria like you're fucking kaza dune and you fight like a alien spider cyborg borg and some trolls like no i'm fucking lord of the rings man we had a fucking balrog sitting there and Maybe that's, like, their idea, right? And I'll get into that debate in a minute. Like, maybe that's kind of, like, what's... Maybe we just didn't awaken that and get off Scott clean. Dude, they had to... In Lord of the Rings, you had to fucking sacrifice your most powerful guy to get the fuck out of there. So, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, I thought Bo-Katan... I feel like it should have been a little bit more difficult (laughs) to even get down there. Like, even, like, Bo-Katan, right? you would think she would've brought some troops with her. No, she just went by her fucking self and like Grogu, like just hopped in the ship, like, oh, I'll ride with you. I'll tag along, I'll ride with you. Like going to get coffee, man. Like she's like, okay, you drive. <laughs> like And like you said, that was the problem I had too. Like. I just put in my head, like, I guess he learned how to fly a ship with Luke. Like, why did Luke teach him how to fly a fucking spaceship? I mean, we know Luke can, so I guess that's where he <laughs> learned how to pilot ships. I don't know. But I thought the action was cool. Like, I took it for what it was. Like, I really liked the dark saber use where they were cutting people down and throwing them off cliffs. This episode just gave more of a vibe to me. Like, it was like... It kind of gave me the vibe of the writers we were like, yeah, like we know what we got to do, so let's write it there, but really we're here more for like visual effects and action. Did you get that vibe from this episode at all?
1: Uh, Not exactly, because I do believe introducing us to that planet is going to be important, because they're probably going to want to rebuild that planet going forward in the future of this show so I do think that was something that was more plotline based than action based also the living waters themselves uh, and what we found underneath that because we learn next week why there was such a big drop off in the water it has to do with like the bombings of the planet and stuff maybe uh, that was trapped certain places is no longer trapped underneath the those things. I, I don't want to give too much away. I know I'm being ambiguous with it, but it's on purpose because I want to talk more about it next week. Uh, so, no, I do I do think that there was important aspects to the storyline outside of the action that we saw. And honestly, even the action that we saw, I also didn't think it was the coolest. You know, you were, you were fighting base-level minions for the most part. Them alien troll-looking yeah. things in the caves... But, yeah they were a nuisance but I didn't really get the uh feeling that any of them were a real challenge or a real threat to to take either Bo-Katan or Din Djarin out and even that spider looking thing that uh, the the cockroach uh, detached head <laughs> with the eye whatever you want to call it like I again it was weird to me how Din Djarin got fucked up by that thing and Bokatan Beat it fairly easily. You know what I mean? So even the action was kind of whack in this episode, to be frank. Just because you would think if this is a big boss or Din Djarin had such a hard time, maybe Bo-Katan would struggle a little bit and would almost get her, but she would maybe, at the last second, find some cool maneuver to get out of it and, and you know, something interesting. But no, she just kind of whooped its ass. <laughs> like, honestly, it really, yeah. it really didn't yeah. affect her uh, too much, you know? It didn't seem like it took that much for her to take it out. So... I don't. I can't say that I think the episode was more set for the action because even the action in it, I don't think was the greatest action. But I do think it was. It was good for where the story goes, and not just the immediate future, but probably the future of the series as a whole.
2: I. I mean, I can see that. I mean, I just hope we kind of. I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because I feel like it was like it was one of those things too though where they kind of just like jump there in a way like even like you know in this you know they're supposed to be like you know thousands of miles across the galaxy to this planet and then they get off uh, you know they leave from talking to that woman about the part they need and then they just like teleport over there like here you are but i i mean they have spaceships can go light speed so i can accept it but what debates do you have for today
1: yeah, my debate today... Actually, I have two, but I am, I am not sure if that I'm right here, but I feel we might have a similar one, if not the exact same one for the second. So I'm going to start with this one, and I'll let you do a debate. And if it's the same, but we'll kind of take it from there. But uh, my initial debate that I want to talk about is the ability that these two characters have with the Darksaber as it pertains to Din Djarin and Bo-Katan. What do you think about their ability to wield the Darksaber? To me, you know, and I won't get into it yet, yeah, I'll let you start the thing, but it was a, there was a stark difference between who utilized that in a more efficient way, and you know, and I'll, I'll kind of touch it on, based on my argument here in a second, but out of curiosity, what did you think about their, their fighting ability as it pertained to the Darksaber and cutting through these quote-unquote enemies?
2: Excellent question. Yeah, to me, to answer your question, it looked more like Bo-Katan was more used to that, which would make sense given what she was kind of telling to Grogu in passing. Like um, her family was like royalty. So they probably have, like, a history with it. So she was probably trained to use that sort of thing, which I'm sure she was probably pretty shocked to see her just lying on the fucking ground. Like, he didn't protect it too well. Like, I know he got captured, but you just put that shit on your holster, your sheath on the side, man? You probably dropped it along the way as you were going through the cave. And you can definitely tell Then Jaren doesn't use that shit very often. Like, even, like, fighting other little pirates and stuff, like... He mainly uses his laser gun so yeah I think she definitely wields it a lot more efficiently uh, and tactically I would say it makes me wonder if she's if they're ever gonna have a moment where she winds up taking it back which uh, it's interesting now because now you kind of opened up this can of worms where now she's used it and he used it I wonder what the rules is on that like I know he's the proper owner and the leader but like what makes it so special if anyone can just wield it anytime you can just toss it off to your friend and be like hey i want to borrow it for a, a few months sure here you go like what's the big deal like is that person like a leader now or what's the deal like what how does that work i would love to know that but um yeah to answer your question i feel like uh, just to make sure I answer your question clear, was your an- question exactly like who wields it better and what's my take on them using the Darksaber? So my take on that is I think Bo-Katan wields it a lot better. Her family probably has a lot more history on it. And I feel like Din Djarin isn't using it as much because he really has no history, it seems like, with that sort of thing. He's not as accustomed to using it. Um, And I feel like it should be used more, but maybe they don't know how to really tap into using it. And I kind of wonder, like, how this kind of... You know, with lightsabers and Jedi, you know, they have to train to use that stuff. And it gets to the point, it's almost like a... You know, your lightsaber is kind of like an extension of your body when you get to that Jedi Master level. Like, you're so good with it. And now this saber, like, I feel like it's just like a... Uh, a special sword that sometimes they carry around with them like it's not as looked at as like hey like this is my ultimate weapon right now so makes me wonder what's your thoughts
1: yeah I, to get back to what you were saying there because I think you brought up a good point about wh- you know who can use this dark saber, or you know who's the rightful owner and the leader of it because whoever can wield a dark saber is supposed to be the one that unites Mandalore or something like that along those lines Problem is, is that Din-, Din Djarin, if you remember, tried to just give her the Dark Saber, and she couldn't take it. it. didn't Like, apparently it didn't work like that. Remember last season? He's like, here. Like, I don't want it. I only, yeah. <laughs> only defeated this guy just so he wouldn't take the child, you know? He didn't give a fuck about the Dark Saber. He just tried to give it to her, and she's like, no, I can't. That's not how it works. I gotta, like, you have to defeat the person who's wielding it. So, my thing is, though... So you're, the, the next point is, like, is she now the rightful wielder of it because he lost it in battle to that fucking spider-looking thing, and she picked it up and beat that. So if, if the yeah. fighting math works, if if that thing defeated Din Djarin, but she defeated that thing, does now she is she now the rightful owner of this Darksaber? I don't know. I don't know how it works. We don't have a really clear understanding about that. So definitely something to keep an eye on with, with this uh, whole Darksaber situation. Now to answer my thought process on the question I asked about the, who's the better wielder of the dark yeah I, I agree with that it's hundred percent katan you could see when din Djarin was using it it was kind of labored like he was not he, he was like having difficulty like swinging and slashing that thing and he, he ended up taking out the initial you know five or four or five troll alien thingies in the beginning and it was fine but you can see that he was not as efficient and not as good as uh, in his fighting abilities, that he normally is when he's using his uh, jetpack and his blasting guns and his grappling hooks, he's a badass, man. And the, even even that Beskar staff that we've seen in the past, like the dude's like really good with those weapons. But it seemed when he pulled out the Dark all of a sudden it was just different. He was not <laughs> he was not the badass I remember with that weapon. So to me, it's like obviously that's not his his bread and butter. And I don't know if there's I don't know. If, it almost seemed like. It had too much weight. It was, like, it was like, it was laboring him to pick it up and, and do stuff with it. And, and maybe I was just watching it weirdly and, I, and maybe I'm thinking too much into it. But it definitely didn't look like uh, an extension of his arm or something that was easy for him to use. At all. But then Bo-Katan comes in, picks that shit up off the ground, and I'm like, she's... Man, like I thought she was a Jedi Master. I thought we were talking to Master <laughs> Katan over there. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know what's going on. Well, it was just it was just wild on that end too, you know. And so, I, I, the the Dark itself is interesting, and I think we're going to get more into that as the series progresses. At least I hope so, because we got to figure out the significance of this Dark as it pertains to the Mandalorian people as a whole. Because right now, they're split into different factions. There's the Children of the Watch. There's the ones that kind of just do whatever they want. You know, it's kind of kind of like, what do you call it? You know, the, the the group of people, you know, I think there's, what is it, the Amish out there who can't use electricity. Then there's the Mennonites who can use electricity, but still kind of similar to the Amish. Like, so, it, it's like very similar but different you know like that, that tiktok uh the thing that goes yeah same same but different but still but same. <laughs> but still same, right yeah so i don't know man dude like it's just a little bit uh convoluted we'll see what the role of the dark saber is going forward and who can use it who can wield it who's the master of it and the rules hopefully it's something that gets solved for us but from just optically in this specific episode, it looked like Dinjarin should not have been holding that thing. <laughs> she was the one that was whooping some ass with it. So that's, that's my debate on that end. And like I said, I want to give you the opportunity to go to your debate here. Cause I'm curious if my next one is similar to yours. So go ahead and, and pull out your debate and let's, let's go through it on your end.
2: Yeah. And uh, just to kind of just put another note on what you just said uh, on my take here, that's, it's very interesting because i like that you mentioned that like he had like it seemed heavy remember he did that slice and he had to use like this you know dinjarin's a big guy fucking oprah and motherfucking martel here <laughs> let's fucking go man had no problem wielding that fucking spear in game of thrones murder her, raped her killed her children and he was like struggling trying to bring that fucking like he did that slice on that final troll guy that was like just more a nuisance and he had to use two hands just to bring it down, man. So I agree 100%. You got some Elder Wand shit going on too, just like you were saying, like, you know, Malfoy ain't the wielder no more. So maybe it's bo great point, dude. But um, uh, my debate here is, you know, bo keeps talking about this mythical beast, right? we saw this massive beast in the water. You know, two things. Do you think that played a part into why Dinjarin actually sank to the bottom so quickly? Do you think this is the same mythical beast that Bo-Katan is talking about? Or do you think that this is just another random beast we're seeing in the water that's been there for years? And how do you think this is going to play into this uh, Mandalore, um, basically the creeds here and the significance of this mythical beast.
1: So I'm glad that I gave you the opportunity to put this in because that was basically, it was essentially my same debate about this creature underneath the waters. So I had a feeling, you know, that it was just such a big aspect of this episode. So here's my, my take on it, because remember, she was reading that little plaque down by the mythical waters, and I forget. I think the name of the original Mandalorian was Mandalore, right? I think that was the guy's name. And Mandalore, there the the legend says that he tamed a mythical beast called the Mythosaur, and he found it in its lair, and he tamed that beast. So that, but then again, you know how legends are. It's kind of like Greek mythology. You know, it's not that uh, We don't really know. Maybe it's just something people used to say, and I, you know, this is the reason why I talk about how stuff kind of shook up with the bombings of the planet. There, the legend said that the lair was beneath uh, the lair of the Mythosaur was beneath something, right? And then we'll talk about it more next week. But point being is, it's very possible that these bombings shook up and broke apart you know pieces of earth to where something could have came to the surface that you normally wouldn't thought wouldn't have thought was there so when i saw this and i mean again you don't we don't see it all but when she had that flashlight on her helmet and she was coming up to the surface you saw the long tusk and then you saw the eye almost looked like an elephant underwater it was just facially not like fully like not no like trunk or nothing but uh in a way you saw it bore a very strong resemblance to that emblem that the mandalorians carry around which is you know that same sort of deal the the head with the tusks that stick out the mythosaur so yeah i believe that creature is the mythosaur the one in the legend and i i Maybe we're going to get to the point where the new leader of the Mandalorians needs to tame that but Because it may be such a deadly opponent, and it only would be an opponent right now because it's original Tamer, you know, the original Mandalore. He's long gone, he's long dead. And so, you know, that original master is gone and on top of that it probably is in survival mode because it's been alone on this planet it got bombed so it's probably going to go berserk <laughs> it's probably going to end up going berserk or something you know I, I could be wrong but we might get to the point where we need another one of these Mandalorians whether it be Din Djarin or Bo-Katan or uh, Paz Vizsla whatever whoever the armorer who knows uh, might need to tame this darn Mythosaur and that will kind of bring balance to the planet and maybe they'll bring it all together by the end of the Mandalorian series so, uh, yeah, I definitely think that was the original Mythosaur. Maybe that's lair uh, was, was shaken up on the foundations when the bombings took place. And now it's in the living waters. And to answer your question about is that why he sank down, it's tough. Again, I guess I'm going to do a little bit of a sneak into next week cause when he answers that. Because she asks him very early on in the next episode if... He saw anything down there, and he said, "No, the chasm was just so big; I wasn't prepared for that drop off." So, I don't know. I think I'd I'd know the difference between falling (laughs) down and being dragged down. You know what I mean? I I really, like, I really think I'd know that difference. So, and I know that that, again, that conversation is more next week on on that. And but just to answer your debate there and really provide context to my thoughts on it, I, I felt it was important to state that. So yeah, uh, this this creature I think is going to play a huge role going forward for the Mandalorians. I don't want to call them species, but their race I guess or their creed. It's going to play a huge role in it, and I think that was it. I you know because the only other the only other explanation is she maybe the waters are um, they, they can cause some sort of delusion or something. You know maybe make you see things like mirages. You know because they have some sort of magical uh, component or something. Is there something? Interesting about these waters, and we we'll see that next week. Like, because how the heck are you going to be able to tell if I took a bath in like the lake or I went to living waters? How are you going to be <laughs> able to tell, right? Well, that there's some components to these waters that are different than normal waters. So who knows? Maybe it makes you see things. Maybe it, it gives you uh, illusions. You know, and so that's the only other explanation is that. Mando maybe did just fall to the bottom and when she's dragging him out, maybe this shit made her see this creature that wasn't actually there. That's another possibility. So, I, you know, I, it, but it does start affecting Bo-Katan because you'll see, you'll see, like there's a lot of uh, illusion, not illusion, I'm sorry. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there moments where she sees this thing and it, and it makes a point to show the emblem and her in a uh, in the same setting. So, you know, who knows? Do I think it's probably the creature? Yeah, I don't think you can bring up this mythosaur uh, and make it this big part of their background and history and just never really explain it or show it. But I also wouldn't be surprised, I'm not saying this is the case, but if it was just an illusion while she was coming up here, and that that mythosaur has been long dead too, along with the original Mandalore. But who knows, man? It could, it could be one or the other. I think that's a beautiful the uh, thing about this type of platform is you get to kind of see all different sides and, and really you know, break it down and think like, okay, well, yeah, this is probably what makes the most sense. But this doesn't, you know, we, can't, we can't rule this out. You know what I mean? So it, it's really beautiful to, for the different perspectives of, of these topics that there are multiple viewpoints on and people can take different stances. So that, those are my thoughts on that
2: no those are excellent points that reminds me of uh there are dead things in the water <laughs> me glad, me glad. yeah no i i agree man it's uh i think it had to be something to do with that creature because she had to use a jetpack to get down there that fast. You don't just, like, even jumping into the fucking pool. Yeah, you dive down. Even doing that, you don't go that fast. His ass got fucking, like, dragged down there, in my opinion. Like, she had to, bo had to use a jetpack to get down to where he was. And he was already laying on the bottom of the fucking floor. Like, something's going on. Not you just, oh, you didn't judge the cavern. Like oh it was deep it was a deep ass pool no shit but you were already laying flat on your fucking back at the bottom bottom of the fucking lake man what the fuck is wrong with you but um and his armor was just as heavy as hers and she was having to use a jetpack to dive down there but uh I thought you brought up a great point about the emblem in the mythosaur because that very well could be what that is. Um, I mean of course very well could be the possibility maybe they just wanted to throw some shit in there and yeah it could be an illusion that's a good idea I mean I just feel like it's such a big creature that was there that wouldn't be like an illusion and I hope this isn't one of those things where they just showed that and it was like oh there were some creatures in the bottom like randomly like in the first Star Wars episode one like there's always a bigger fish like it was just there for that like I hope not i hope this really does play into it and it really makes you think this would be awesome if like say if bo katan or someone this is how they took the lead like maybe they don't even have the dark saber but yeah like you said they have to go tame that thing and that's how that thing becomes the leader like now you got this like avatar thing kind of going on at that point but then it makes you wonder like how the fuck did this thing survive like been down there for all these years like no telling what its age is like are there other of these fucking things like who fucking knows but yeah i, I agree 100 i think it has to be something like that or something very significant to play a larger role i don't think we just saw something to saw something otherwise i would have think they would see other illusions like because that's really the only thing we saw there besides just some dark ass fucking waters so yeah. Go for well, it. no, the only
1: thing I was going to say to that effect is like they're only under the water for a short amount of time. There's not a whole mm-hmm. lot you can really see under there. And it's not, I'm not, I don't think like the air itself is going to cause illusions outside of the water. So there's nothing they're going to see on their way into the water. I don't know. I'm not, Like I said, I'm not convinced that it's for sure an illusion. I just think we can't rule out the possibility because according to Din Djarin, he didn't see it. But which is kind of wild because, you know, he might have been dragged down by it. You know, I, I don't know. I, it's just a little bit. It's a little bit strange. So I don't want to rule it out that it could be an illusion. But I would like to think it was the actual creature itself, and that it is going to come into play. I'm just simply saying the reason why I, I, I just, yeah. You, you, you said, well, why, why aren't they seeing other stuff? I mean, I think they were in there for just a short amount of time. That there wouldn't be time to see anything else. You know, and especially something that massive. You saw, like. The, the size, of we only saw a side of its face, we didn't see like the body yeah. we didn't see nothing, we saw a tusk and we saw an eye, you know what I mean like there was really not a whole lot that we got to see there, so uh, I just don't know if there was enough time that, that from them being down there that let's play devil's advocate and say it is an illusion that there was not a whole lot other that they could see with, you know, just being down there so short a period of time
2: yeah man, no great great point, it was like the kraken with tusks the tusks cracking but yeah man i think it has to play another point and that opens up a whole nother like can of worms like how are they gonna take down that thing like what does that have to do with everything like are there other of them you know it it makes you wonder it makes me even want to know more about the original mandalorian and like the past there and what actually happened to this planet because we really don't even know a whole lot about the planet we just know it Got bombed to smithereens. (laughs) It's basically what we know what happened. We don't even know who the enemy of that is. So then that makes you wonder. You know, maybe like the enemy in seasons down the road is like whatever that is, whatever that group is that bombed that planet. So a lot of great questions. But another, yeah, man, yeah, to, to that point too. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Are you really trying to
1: convince us as the audience of this show that? No one has tried to go back to that planet. Not one single Mandalorian has <laughs> tried. Because, like, remember the, the whole myth? Was, or not myth? The legend was that it's poison. Like, it's not breathable air. That like, you get, you land on that planet, you die because it's uninhabitable. It's poison. The surface is poison. But no one has ever tried. Like, like, like you know what I mean? You would think that maybe some people would be on their little starships outside the planet. Watch their one guy try to go down, and then if it gets like weird, they go down and pull him out real quick and zoom off, but like, you know, just to try something. But you're telling me that we just assumed for years, like, hey, I heard it was <laughs> I heard it was destroyed, so that's gotta be the truth. It's got. I heard it was poison. We can't go on there. No one try it. Uh, you're gonna die. So yeah, i just like, I find it very hard to believe. No one up until this point made any sort of effort to find out the truth about the planet. Do you know what I mean? That's a little bit weird yeah. to me. Is, that, is that you, you, you share those sentiments? Like, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the fact of, like, dude, like, the survivors, their entire population were destroyed. dude. Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, killed some halflings and it started a fucking rage war. Like, you're telling me no one wanted like revenge for that shit? There was no like reciprocation whatsoever. Like they just let these guys get away scot clean from blowing up a planet. Like they like, we have I mean, we gotta hear something about that. Because All we know is a planet has been blown up. There's creatures that still live there despite the radiation. And there were tales of these mythical waters. But it's almost like these creeds got together almost like little villages just to, like, repopulate their side of the planet, even though the planet was already populated. But you're telling me an entire planet is blown up. And even if it's, like, someone that's not in the creeds, like, no one's going to do shit about it. Like well, I guess they're fucked now. But yeah, sure. Thousands of people just died. Sure, whatever, man. <laughs> like, I guess you can get away scot clean with that one. Well, like, I don't know. Just my thoughts.
1: We do know who did it. It was the Empire, and it was led by Moff Gideon. It's called the Purge, the Purge of the planet. So, like, Moff Gideon was the the catalyst behind that. I just they were just decimated to the point of almost extinction. There wasn't a lot they could do to fight back, you know. Yeah. But hey, they got at the end of the day, they did get Moff Gideon in. in they, they, they captured him. Yeah, who knows if he's going to stay captured or not. That's a story for a different time. <laughs> probably somewhat later down this uh, season. But in any event. Yeah dude. Like We, we kind of know what happened there. It's just one of those things that we're really just going to think that it was done. And no one checked up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's like someone losing their cell phone at a, at a party and then not going back to check. Ah, it must be gone. Nope, nope, the cell phone's gone. <laughs> I'm not even going to look for it. It's definitely stolen. Someone took it. I'll never find it again. I'm not even going to bother to check. Like, you know, no, you're going to go back to that place <laughs> that you had your phone and see if it's laying around. Like, you tell me no one had that thought to do it? I don't know, man. I just... I know, because like they made the rumor that it was poison, and so I get why people would be uh, at least... like Cautious and not want to approach and get on it, but man, like you gotta, like I said, you can come up with some sort of plan to have someone try it out without it being a life or death situation. You know what I mean? So, the fact that no one tried and they just took it at its word for this many years is kind of
2: wild to me. Wild, man, wild. But yeah, man, you want to close us out for the day? Any other thoughts? Uh, honestly, yes, I do. Have, I have one more
1: thought about, and this is kind of not necessarily. Indicative to this specific episode. But I'm curious as to, you know, because I know we talked a little bit but about Grogu and how he seems like he's progressing and coming along and stuff, but, you know, one of my questions here is Is he just gonna be like this combination of an of a creature that can do everything? And the reason I ask about it in this for this episode specifically is because apparently he's this Captain of a pilot. He can, he can fly this starship <laughs> out of the clouds. So, you know, are we going to have this, you know, uh, multi-use Swiss army knife character where, yeah, he can use a force like a Jedi, but he fights like a Mandalorian, but he's a pilot like his trainer, like Luke, you know? you know. So my question is, are we, are we just trying to make this character so well-rounded as a central focal point going forward of, you know, maybe he's just going to be... I, obviously, I think we all agree that he's going to end up once he hits his prime and masters everything, like with his powers, he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. But man, do you think they're just kinda just throwing stuff on this kid just to you know, to, to slide it past us and we're just accepting it? Like, oh yeah, of course that <laughs> baby can fly that huge jet to another planet, know exactly how to park it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like so I just don't know if we're getting this part we're like, yeah, we've gotta we've gotta take at face value that this character can use a force that this character is gonna know the the backstory of the mandalorians and and learn how to fight in certain ways that that they do and their survival skills and then on top of that he can fly jets like what's next you know is he gonna start doing the palpatine like laser fucking lightning from his hands you know is he gonna learn these these kind of techniques too I, i just i don't i don't know where it stops that's my that's my kind of question just like where does it stop we do like we get, at some point one character can't do everything, you know. So I'm just curious. Is, is this is just more fun and light-hearted that you know we're just supposed to accept this and this is a one-off. Or are they really going to try to push that this character is going to be doing all these things going forward? <laughs>
2: Well, I do think he's going to turn into a little bounty hunter badass is what I think. I think that would be sick to see. You have like a little Yoda with the two little laser laser guns and the helmet. I think that would be bad with the ears poking out. I think it would be fucking sick. But to answer your question, I don't even know if they know what the fuck they're doing, honestly. And the reason I say that, and this is going to sound critical, and it is fucking critical because I don't give a fuck. You had him go off with Luke. We have no fucking idea what he did with Luke. He just basically appeared back here. And I watched that. Yeah, for those of y'all listening, I watched that scene where he appears back and he at the end of Bubba Fett. Just to give a quick little recap there. Basically, um is fighting a monster, and he just shows back up. And he's like, oh, like you were called to me. He just fucking shows back up. We don't know anything about what he learned with Luke. Maybe Luke taught him how to fly a spaceship maybe Luke we obviously are assuming taught him how to manage the force more we don't know if this dude knows how to wield a lightsaber we don't know what this guy wants maybe he will get electricity out of here I just feel like honestly like they don't know what they're doing with Grogu and they're just having us accept all this shit like, I feel like one day, literally, he's just gonna start fucking Superman flying, and we're just supposed to accept he can fucking fly, and he's flying around, they're like, oh, well, he wields the Force so well that the the Force goes around him, and he flies fucking Goku-Vegeta-style Dragon Ball fucking Z. <laughs> starts shooting out blast out of his Force hands, like the fucking Geralt out of the Witcher. Like, you're like, what the fuck is going on, man? I, I almost, like, don't even know if they had a plan for this guy, because... Grogu became a fan favorite because he was brought in more for that first season of like attention for the audience because you wanted to get Din Djarin to have that relationship development with somebody and grow attached to the characters, which worked out well, probably well beyond what they thought it did. So then they're like, "Well, fuck! Like we can't really get rid of him." So like now he's just here, and I feel like he's almost like developed into this thing where like if you have plot holes well you can just blame it on well he learned that with luke man like you're like well what the fuck was the point of luke like he was there for one episode now you have a time lapse and we have no idea what's going on i hope we really find out more about his backstory training with luke because we have no idea what the fuck happened like what's your what's your thoughts on that i feel like this is like a writing cop-out I think that it's something we will get later on. I don't,
1: I, I, I'm, because it, then everything is going on spinoffs, right? We got this Ahsoka spinoff. We've got this uh, Boba Fett spinoff. So I'm assuming we're going to get the backstory with Luke at some point in time. It's just frustrating that we're not aware of what was being trained or how long he's being trained for. I don't think there was ever a a designated time period where, like, okay, it's been one year. It's been six months since. Grogu last saw, man, it's been three years, it's been five, we've got no idea, right? Obviously this thing ages really different, it's over 50 years old, but it's still a baby, you know, just from, we were talking about uh, last week, where they're like, bad baby, (laughs) the little end zone's like, bad baby, (laughs) so obviously it's still like, young compared to, uh, you know, the the way it ages is is obviously wildly different from humans and, and other creatures, But, you know, so I don't know. And obviously we can't see really with Mando how he's aging because he's in his suit the whole damn time. So really, I don't know. Was it five years? Was it one year? Was it two weeks? (laughs) Who knows? So that's the biggest (laughs) thing I've got an issue with is that we don't know how long he was with Luke and what he did with Luke. What did he actually learn in that time period? But I do think, to answer your question, I don't think it's more of like a writing cop-out. I think it's something that's going to come later. And we're just kind of sitting and waiting in the meantime and we're gonna maybe it's one of those things that gets answered. You know, maybe they're waiting for the feedback from people and wondering where the stuff is coming. So that way, when they do write the new show, if it, one comes out like that, they know what they need to uh, show there. and They know what they need to cover and make sure that it is taken care of in the training. So I don't know, but like to your point, they did just seem to be given this guy. I must say, guy, this this kid. Grogu, all these sorts of abilities. You know, next thing you know, he's going to be speaking English and he can speak every other language that ever got existed in the Star Wars universe from nowhere. You know what I mean? It's just, I just don't know where the abilities stop. You know, I don't know. You can fucking baby fly in a damn starfighter to a whole other planet, parks it perfectly. I don't know, dude. That thing was weird. He could do that, but he couldn't get Din Djarin out of the darn, like, trapped cage he was in. I don't know, dude. Like, it's just so weird, but i just don't think there's any continuity of what he can do versus what he can't do and it kind of leads us in some weird place of you know we're we're not sure and we just have to accept it as is at face value and i think that's not i'll say like i have a huge problem with it but it's definitely something that i've noticed and taken note of obviously or else i wouldn't be bringing it up but i don't know What, what are your your thoughts on it
2: Yeah, and I want to ask you this, too. Like, I I really hope this isn't, like, a Star Wars canon problem right now. Because if we go reflect back to Rise of Skywalker, which, you know, we covered in season one, one thing she, like, just randomly started doing is healing people with the Force and, you know, how we had... Carrie Fisher like fly across the space thing like is that what we're doing now we're just making up things the force does so now that he trained with Luke like I said you know next thing you know he's gonna like you said start talking like how Yoda did maybe that's how he learned English was the force and and, uh yeah next thing you know he's gonna randomly like Ray just pull a lightsaber out of his Fucking little! I don't say out of his ass, but he'll pull it out of his little fucking floating device, and it's just there. And then you know he'll start flying, and we're just supposed to accept that shit. Like I don't know. Do you feel like this is a Star Wars writing problem with the current writers we have, besides like George Lucas, or do you think this is truly being something that's gonna play out later on?
1: I think it's gonna be something that plays out later on. Uh, because what was the point of showing Luke on-screen, period, if we're not going to get an idea of what happened during that training period? That just doesn't make any sense. You could have just shipped him off anywhere. Why bring Luke Skywalker specifically into the fold if you're not going to... You know, we, he's, he's probably the most iconic, maybe outside of Darth Vader, probably the most iconic Star Wars character, period. Right? Yeah, so right. You, you could take anyone... To if you're not going to explain the trainings, but if you're going to bring in the main guy, we're going to want to see more of him. We're going to want to see what he's taught. He's now the central... Focal Jedi. He is the guy. He's the one that took down Darth Vader. Kind of. You know, like how that ended there at, at the return of the jedi Out of jedi. his prime,
2: man. Out of his prime. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> Do it again, Jay Nelly. Do your famous line. You can try. <laughs> but anyways.
1: <laughs> I, I just I it has to be explained. It is something I don't think i said. I don't think it's a writing cop out. I think it's something that is going to be brought in, but I think they might be working backwards in a way and it could be intelligent because I think what they're trying to do show us these things gather what questions we have as viewers of the show then make sure that they answer them in reverse so that way like okay look now we know that they want to know how we, Grogu could do this, how he did this, how he did this. Well now we can show when we go back and make this Luke series with Grogu or whatever they want to do. I don't know what it's gonna be called Luke or Grogu or fucking whatever, the child. I don't know what the hell they want to call the show. But <laughs> they do like a spin off. Good. Called yeah. just the child. Oh Yeah, shit. right. That's Kinda. Good. So maybe they just they'll they'll show it and they'll make all those they'll answer all those questions in, in that format by, you know, hearing the the, crit, the the critiques and the the questions that are drawn from from this and then they'll be able to sh- know what to show on screen during the trainings that Grogu had with Luke. So that's
2: my thought. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah, man. What do you think? You want to go ahead and close this out for the day? Sounds like a plan brother. All right. Well, well, this is your first time
1: listening to us. Thank you so much for joining. We really do hope you enjoy what you heard if you've been with us since the beginning thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy support means a lot to us in terms of where you can find us we are on all forms of social media we're on instagram at official ridiculous on tiktok at ridiculous got a backup instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy backup tiktok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy facebook chase and josh factor fantasy youtube ridiculous patronus and we also have our own website, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. So please go ahead and give us a like, follow, subscribe, and leave some comments. We love the engagement. In terms of the podcast itself, we are wherever you get your podcast. That means we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Pandora. We're on Acast. We're on Citra. We're on Podbean. Like I said, wherever you get your podcast, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day. And this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing Signing off. off.
0: To Dragon's Rest, a podcast about the fantasy tavern where all great adventures get their start. It's here you'll meet a wannabe hero, a misanthropic bartender, a washed-up mage, a dim-witted bard, and a braggadocious dwarf. Created by Darcy Thompson and starring a cast of talented storytellers, each week promises a fresh keg of laughter and misadventure. So come on down to Dragon's Rest. Visit DragonsRestShow.com for more.